Hello folks, this is the Knickknack Podcast, Season 9, Episode 18, and I have a special guest with me, and we may be trying this format for a while now, we'll see what happens, um, but uh, my friend here, Megan, and we're going to talk about um, a couple of things with the um, FNLC, FCLN, what is it? FCNL. FCNL. Uh, yeah, Friends Committee on National Legislation. There we go. See, I can t- I can tell I'm already unscripted, but that's what we're going to do today. And uh, we got plans for a trip to D.C. in March, and we're trying to raise funds for that. And we'll see what how it happens, but it seems like a good topic to rant about a little bit. So, Megan, can you tell me just a little bit about the event, what you know? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on your show. So, um, I'll just back up a little bit and talk about how um, I got involved with this. Um, So, the event is being put on by an organization called Friends Committee on National Legislation. They're a nonpartisan public interest lobby group. Um, So, for those of you who, like me, historically think about lobbying as something that um, only... uh, corporations do uh this challenge is that although that is the majority of lobbying what uh what fcnl does is they help get just you know everyday citizens into public offices to lobby about various legislations that would make the you know make the country a better place in some way according to the principles of this organization and and what are what's where's the organization based is it based on religion or a certain Uh, framework yeah it's a it comes out of the quaker community um and there's a lot of people involved who aren't um quakers but so they they um lobby for legislation that is tends to be in line with quaker values which include simplicity um peace equality um let me read you actually the mission statement of fcnl um if i can pull it up sure no problem yeah i know part of it by heart but i know i won't get all the words right so we are quakers and friends working for public policy change on capitol hill and so their office is is in washington dc okay um and this is their mission statement We seek a world free of war and the threat of war. We seek a society with equity and justice for all. We seek a community where every person's potential may be fulfilled. We seek an earth restored. That's that's pretty common goals, pretty good goals, and I'd say certainly aligned with my personal socialist kind of weird bent. So I definitely uh, connect with that organization in that way. Yes. Um, so, and I've more been working on the Earth Restored aspect of things because I've been working with FCNL um, on climate change issues. Right. But um, the theme of the Spring Lobby Weekend event that um, we're both going to be going to is about mass incarceration. And it's March 12th to the 15th. Um, if you, anyone listening to this is interested, you know, look it up if you're interested in going. Um, the, the, the URL address for information about this event is fcnl.org slash events slash SLW, um, like Spring Lobby Weekend. And I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, great. And so, yeah, the, the theme is on ending mass incarceration. Um, and so they believe that this year Congress, um, as it says on the website, could actually take positive steps on mass incarceration. 
Um, and there's a piece of legislation called the Sentencing Reform and Corrections Act, which has um, a lot of bipartisan support. So FCNL, as a nonpartisan uh, organization, they really try to um, get people to work together. They're actually one of the main forces, I think, in Washington for depolarizing politics um, uh, as it stands and making Congress more functional in, in, in the sense of getting people to work together instead of just uh, kind of gridlocking each other. And it's an event that's primarily for young adults, college students, high school students, but anybody is welcome to come. And we will be learning all about like what's wrong with the criminal justice or injustice system, as some people call it, um, You know why it's not working and what are the injustices in that system um, about different organizations that are working on it at various levels and then we'll be learning about the sentencing reform and corrections act and then how to lobby how to go into a representative's office and effectively persuade them to support a piece of legislation and then we'll be go- we'll be doing that cool and i i know there's a lot of uh issues with mass incarceration that interest me and we've already been kind of working on a fundraiser for the event and the things that interest me are definitely uh, what i see like 41 percent of those incarcerated in the u.s are incarcerated for drug charges and in my personal belief anyway and i don't know if you share this megan or not but i think drug issues aren't something for the criminal justice system i think they're something for the health system really if anything and obviously i think marijuana shouldn't be a drug but so that bothers me um and the other thing that really bothers me about mass incarceration is the way that we actually have debtors prisons even though we're technically not supposed to have them uh so basically what will happen is somebody will get charged with say trespassing and the judge will ask them to pay a fine or require them to pay a fine well if they can't pay that fine then they get thrown in jail and that's the way we have historically in recent times gotten around the debtors prison thing so basically if you owe the court money and california does this too they can stick you in jail which is nothing sort of uh, humbug because <laughs> yeah. I'm tr- I'm trying to keep this uh, this particular episode family family friendly, even though I don't do that with other episodes. So those are two things that really bother me. Are there any particular issues within mass incarceration that kind of stick in your claw? Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to disclaim is that I am not incredibly knowledgeable about the specifics of um, of you know the problems within our criminal justice system. I have some, like, a little bit of personal experience with it and, like, know people who have more personal experience with it. I'm not the most well-researched about the uh, statistics and data and because, um, as I said, I've been working with FCNL in another department, and that's part of why I'm excited to go to this event and learn more about it. But um, for me, the main thing is that we can't really talk about um, criminal justice system reform without talking about racism um, and that, you know, most of the people who are affected by the the injustices of the system are people of color and i say this as a white person who doesn't really know a lot of of that firsthand but it's been something i've been learning more about for the past few years um i haven't actually read it yet but um there's been study groups um in our city about um, michelle alexander's book uh the new jim crow 
And so I know a lot of people who've read that and have kind of absorbed the the basic concepts just through osmosis, which is basically the the ways that nowadays the prison system and the, the court system is used to incredibly disproportionately um, affect people of color. That takes us right to police brutality and the Black Lives Matter issue, which is a huge issue right now. And I'm I'm very, in my personal biases anyway, I'm very happy to see that Bernie Sanders has kind of taken some of that on because, I mean, that has a lot to do with mass incarceration and that has a lot to do with police in general and over-militarization of the police, which, of course, directly leads to mass incarceration. So it's a full circle. Yeah, we had a presenter. I was in D.C. for this organization's annual conference in November, and we had kind of a preview of what the Swing Lobby Weekend is going to be about with a presentation by someone who works um, at the Center for Returning Citizens. I don't want to get his name wrong, so maybe I'll look it up. Uh, John D. Harris, or let me look it up. But um, And he talked about how it's, you know, it's all one kind of one system and in a way you can't really think about prisons without looking at the beginning of where that happens which is people being apprehended by police and like why are they being apprehended and how are they being apprehended and what are the uh john d harrell is that guy's name mr uh i think he started or is is really involved with this organization called the center for returning citizens and their website is tcrcphilly.org because they're based out of philadelphia okay so i mean the legislation that we'll be lobbying on i don't know that it fully addresses that from beginning to end which is why it's really good that people are working at all levels of this um this is just like one part of the puzzle but hopefully it could be a really important part to to make some changes well yeah and i mean it's it's a process right i mean i know a lot of people that kind of look at the whole political process and completely dismiss it and i understand their frustration really i do but I mean, I, I, you know, I live in this idealistic society in my head, you know, okay, let's try and make John Lennon's imagine come true, but the reality of it is that we have the government we have, and the best way to affect change is to start trying to do it right now, you know, don't wait till the revolution takes place, make the revolution happen in hopefully a peaceful way. Totally. Um, yeah, I am of a similar, you know, position that I think everyone's contributions are valuable. And sure, ideally, would do I want like a pretty drastically different, um, more like like my idea of what a just political system is is looks very different from what we have now. Right. Um, but that I don't know. I think you know people who. Um, and I used to think like this, too, but in a way saying, well, I'm not going to participate in this political system as it stands because, you know, this, this, and this reason, like, I'm not, I don't want to condone it, and it's totally broken, and so I'm not going to work with it. In a way, that can be, like, a, a position of privilege, like, to say, well, my life is easy enough that I'm just not going to work with the system um, because I'm better than that or something. Um, yeah, there's probably more... That could probably that could be uh, refined more, but um. Well, there's all sorts of reasons for kind of the anarchist view, and really, um, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but when you go back to Occupy, which I think you and I were both involved in, 
you know, it was originally kind of this sort of idea, or at least in my head, of, well, let's affect change, let's get Wall Street out of politics. And in my mind, well, let's use this opportunity to try and go from a representative democracy where we elect people and, you know, they go to Congress and they do whatever the hell they want until money buys them out and we get to re-elect them again to a system where literally, I mean, we have the technology where everybody could vote on these issues and then you wouldn't necessarily have to have lobbying groups. You could have... Like, yeah, like if people could vote online... Yeah, exactly. There's not really any reason for us not to do that. I mean, it could be, like, hacked, but we, if we cared enough, we could we could make it secure. And it would enfranchise a lot of people who aren't enfranchised. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I mean, it, it comes down to knowledge and education, right? I, you know, people of privilege and people of not a privilege, I'll, I'll say, because I'm trying to stay politically correct. There's a huge gap there, and I mean, I'm white, I'm in the, kind of, the non-adulting, dysfunctional adult slash disabled category, which puts me in an odd frame of life, but, you know, I'm not a black man in South Compton. You know, that's a totally different experience, and I can't even begin to relate to that experience other than kind of knowing that that is a world that's completely entangled in being victimized by the system. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say the system has treated me well, but you look at other people, and it's, it's a lot worse off for other people, I think. And I really want to affect change, and I think addressing mass incarceration at Spring Lobby is certainly one way to get that done. Yeah. I want to come back to what we were talking about, like, the different... Well, what was something that we were talking about made me think about this uh, systems thinking. Um, and Donella Meadows is one of the people who originally started uh, teasing out what, what systems thinking means, um, which is now a pretty common concept in a lot of fields. But... Um, she has this thing that you can find. I just Googled it. Um, if you look up Donella Meadows, um, places to intervene in a system, and there's she has nine places. There's a number, number four is the rules of the system, incentives, punishments, and constraints. And so I see that as, like, what we're working on with legislation. We're trying to change the rules because, what was it? Some An example that I read somewhere of, like, it might have been from Donella Meadows, it might have been elsewhere. Like, imagine if you went into a class at the university, and instead of you being graded at the end of the semester, at the end of the semester, you would take tests, and the teacher would be graded on how well they'd taught you, and you would suffer no consequences. That, um, that would that, be a cool way of reworking that system. That would be a totally, it would create a totally different thing. Like, the teachers would have all this pressure to, like, make it really fun and interesting and, like, engage people, you know, um, and, 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 you know, just, uh, work with people on, uh, breaking it down. And, and of course, you know, that could have critiques, but it just, it just goes to show, like, how much, whether you think that's a good idea or not, it goes to show how much the rules of a system are going to affect how it functions. And then, like, number two is the goals of the system, and number two is the mindset or paradigm out of which the system arises. So it's goals, power, structure, rules, it's culture. And I think that Occupy, in a way, 
actually was operating more on that, like the mindset. Like Occupy didn't Occupy didn't you know actually cause a financial or legal revolution, but it changed the national conversation. Like absolutely, like the way you know, like income inequality is now on the news. People talk about the ninety nine percent all the time. Um, it's it's mainstream to talk about that now. Um, yeah, well, the whole basis of Bernie Sanders is comes as the result of the conversations raised by Occupy. So, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of occupiers really notice that because there's so many in the anarchist group. But I mean, really, we we raise some good points, and wouldn't you know it, the world is starting to react slowly. It's not going to happen overnight, but. That was really an effective movement, and that is an example of how, you know, you can use the rules of the system to affect change. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to derail you too much. Oh, I just got distracted because that's that's a, we should do a whole other we should do a whole other session about uh, the anarchist theory and different. What does it mean to be an anarchist? We should we should do another session on that. It's probably too big of a conversation to get into here. Well, you know what? If you if we want to make this a regular thing, I have really gotten stale in my solo socialist ranting format of podcasts. So if you want to be a co-host, that's you're more than welcome to do that. All right, big dreams. Let's see. Yeah, maybe, maybe that'll happen. It's 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 appealing. It's interesting. Um, but coming back to the topic of Spring Lobby Weekend, um, I'm wondering what else we should go over, like, uh, and talk about. So we're. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are in our area. Are they local or not? Uh, most of them are spread out all over the world. I used to have a huge demographic in Texas, but no longer. <laughs> okay. Okay, I was going to invite them to the fundraiser, but uh, maybe that's not relevant. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know what we can do? We can we can say, you know, if if this is something that you're interested in, um, it's going to cost about $705 round trip, according to my calculation, and the airline price has probably gone up because that's what airline prices do. So if you're interested in helping me out at all um, and helping kind of this coalition of local Chico people that, that want to address this cause in D.C., uh, please go to my uh, show page, nicknackjack.lipson.com, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K.L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, and there's a little pay- PayPal donate button there that you can use, and that would be a great way that you can help uh, this cause out and help us out, because uh, we're not only, you know, we're obviously, we care about mass incarceration and other issues, but this is also teaching us how to lobby uh, so we can address this issue and all the other issues that we're concerned about that we're actively talking about. Yes. And uh, something to mention with that is that we have um, a sort of grant from a Quaker organization that provides matching funds for our travel. So, um, and I believe that this, anything that is donated via your webpage can be included in that. So anything that you donate um, actually will be doubled um, through a grant from a Quaker organization called the, the Bob Vogel Endowment Fund. Um, so thank you to the people um, who run that um, in uh, Pacific Yearly Meeting for their support. And, and part of what we're doing here, like you were saying, is, uh, you know, all the people who are going on this trip are people who care about the world and want to make it a better place um, in our local community and are involved in various efforts. Um, 
there's you know somebody who provides um, a meal outside of the city council meeting um, every two weeks to uh, feed people who don't have shelter or food and also to raise awareness about the ways in which those people are being disenfranchised by our city. And there's people who work on... We have somebody who is... um, a sociology major who who's going who is really interested in, in um, lots of different aspects of social justice um, and uh, so the skills that we will be learning at this event um, of lobbying are applicable in all sorts of contexts with with legislators at the federal state local levels as well as even business owners because it's basically just effective negotiation right you know, if you say that we want to you know convince um, PG&E that they need to operate their dams in a better way to not negatively impact the salmon in our rivers. Like the skills that we'll learn at this event could also be used by going into having a meeting with um, people at the PG&E office theoretically, just as a an example. Right, um, and uh, I mean that's that's a very good skill to have. And again, I I want to emphasize, especially for those that may be hesitant out there, you know. The system may not be ideal, but you know what? I think it's better to kind of play into it and do what you can than to completely ignore it. And this is a great way, if you're interested in this program at all, uh, like I said, I'll have links to the show notes, and maybe you can organize your own group of people within the U.S. to do this so that you can be a part of this and actually make a, a contribution instead of just, you know, sitting there, and and just talking about it because there's more you can do than just talk about it not that talking about it is a bad thing but you can do more yeah um and actually i'm I'm wondering if we could go over just some of the ways that people can if they want to support this um this legislation that they can engage with it more sure go ahead um well if you want to do some research on the sentencing reforms and corrections act um you know, you can go to the FCNL page that's going to be linked, and um, and then if you go to the main FCNL.org page, you can um, you can look at the different issues that this organization is supporting, and you can look up your representatives, your senators. Everyone has two senators, and everyone has one representative to the House of Reps, and you can look them up on the FCNL.org website and um, find. Uh, your representatives and choose the issue that you want to email them about and there you know will be some some talking points about you know what you might want to say and you can write in your own message and send them an email through through the website also you know if you look up just look up your representatives uh and call you can call the office but some of the most effective ways to make change or to you know get your local legislators thinking about an issue are um one Instead of just writing a letter to the office, write a letter to the editor of um, a local paper. Um, and in the uh, uh, in the letter, say, you know, why this is an issue. Like, talk about your a prison or jail that's nearby and, like, why it's not functioning. And then say, you know, this piece of legislation could help. And name your representative. Um, you know, say their name in your letter. Um, and then, if it gets published, uh, when it does, then email... Uh, send a link to the because most newspapers these days have um, online uh, versions of the newspaper. If right. you can send a link to the URL and also copy and paste the actual text of the letter, and then send an email to the office of your representative with a little note at the beginning saying, "Hey, I uh, you know wrote this letter 
to bring awareness to this issue that I think is important. Um, and I'm hoping that, and you know, you were named in it, and I hope that you'll take the time to read it. And if you'd like to talk with me about it further, um, I'd love to come into the office. And actually, the most effective way to convince a legislator or something is by getting in the door. So if you can, you know, write a letter to the editor and then get that kind of as a good way to get them to pay attention to you because they'll be like, oh, publicity, I better pay attention to this because people are talking about me in the public eye. Right. Um, and then, you know, bring friends with you if you can. Bring a couple of friends in the door with you. And uh, when you go, should I go over that too? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the basic, um, and anybody can do this. You know, this is your right as a constituent. It, it, it helps if you kind of dress up neatly. And I personally think this is an issue of, of classism and that, you know, anybody should be able to go into their rep's office. But it does help you get taken seriously more if you dress up in like a, a suit or um you know business professional or if you're with a group you might have like matching t-shirts with like a a slogan on it too um and you go in and you just the first thing you do is you want to do some research before you go in and find a piece of legislation that your rep supported that you also support and you go in and you can thank them for that and chances are you wouldn't meet with your actual rep uh the first time going to the office you'd probably meet with a staff member Right. A lot of offices have, like, um, county liaisons or something. So you go in and you just thank the staff member, say, please pass on my thanks to representative so-and-so for supporting this legislation. And then you sit down and you ask them for what you want. Say, we're here to ask you to support or co-sponsor um, or vote yes on this specific bill. And then you and whoever else is there just talk a little bit about why it matters to you in your life. Like... You know, if you know people who are stuck in the prison system in an unfair way, um, tell a personal story. If you don't have one from your life, you know, try to find one um, in your local news or one that just really speaks to your heart that's in your district. And then before you go, just ask for what you want again. Say, say, please, you know, what are you or we, we want you to support this bill. And you can leave behind like a one page paper with like the summary of the bill on it and maybe your contact information. And... And that's like a basic lobby visit that anybody can do. And, and certainly much more effective than just writing a letter or use, leaving a phone message uh, because I've done both of those things multiple times and none of the representatives that I've talked to, now granted I haven't always done that in the most professional way, but none of the representatives that I've uh, left messages with have really given to shakes about it so yeah basically it doesn't when you call pretty much all they care about is what's the issue you're calling about and are you for it or against it and they just take numbers right it's just a way of them polling basically Mm -hmm. well that's some good stuff i think we could definitely talk more um i kind of want to wrap this up though um any issues we didn't cover that you want to bring up relatively quickly I'll just say quickly that one of the things that's really great about working with FCNL as an organization is um, they don't proselytize. They're not going to try to convince anyone to become a Quaker, but they do come from this faith-based place. Um, of One of the kind of tenets of Quakerism is that there is that of God in everyone. So, you know, even from a secular perspective, maybe just thinking about it as really respecting everybody's humanity and everyone's dignity. And so they're very well respected um, for, for doing this political work um, in a way that brings people together um, and promotes, like, mutual respect and collaboration rather than uh, sort of the devolving sort of... Uh, 
mudslinging that happens in politics a lot. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, that's something... I, I People on this podcast know me very well for my agnosticism and, you know, kind of my dim view on religion, but I really do feel like this organization, uh, even though they have religious roots, really does go beyond the dogmatic basis. They're not trying to recruit you into their religion. They're using their religious affiliation to uh, accomplish their goals, and they're very open to allowing others not of their religious persuasion to have had the same goals to kind of jump on the bandwagon and help them out, which is a very very positive thing and honestly I don't see that very much in religious organizations and I think that's very encouraging because if you have to have religion uh, you might as well do positive things with it and that definitely seems like a positive thing yeah thank you for having me on the show maybe will there be more yeah, uh, hopefully. Uh, like I said, this, the solo rants kind of are starting to get a little bit stale after nine seasons, so some t- maybe it's time to mix it up. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K.Lipson.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for the donation page and the show notes. And you can also send me an email, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K at gmail.com, November Indio Charlie, November Alpha Charlie, Julia Alpha Kilo at gmail.com. And uh, let me know what you think, especially about the new format. And please get involved because this is a good, positive thing to do. So, again, thank you so much, Megan, and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you.